we are looking at the question of holiness in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to actually get into a little bit of, a little teeny bit of chapter 6, and then we're done. So we're looking at the relationship. Here's how, here's how, this is how the apostle links holiness to his whole discussion about uh living for God, and that is that you have to walk in the light. Everybody say the light. Now, I know this is, we're rehearsing here, and this slide is rehearsing. We're going to go through quickly, because then he's going to apply this to several issues. For example, marriage. That's the quietest I've heard it in here in many a day. Yeah, he's going to apply it to marriage. How do you apply holiness to marriage and other things as well? And, uh, and even to slavery, the issue of slavery. How do you live in a world that has something as ungodly as slavery in it? Someone said, oh, I don't know if I can serve God if the world has legalizes this or that or the other thing. You can live for God no matter what. As long as God has left you in this world, he's got plans. How many knows that God's bigger than any devil? He's able to help us. I don't mean by that it would be easy. And someone told me the other day the, the, something's going to happen and someone's going to do this and that. And then, the, then, it, then seven years the Lord's coming. That's what they told me. I said, you just, that's the shock of the year right there. To hear an apostolic person tell me that Jesus cannot come for seven years. So I said, I suppose you're going to get a calendar and check the days off. Because you're going to know exactly when he's coming if it's seven years. And that, I mean, that's pretty precise. And uh, I said, but don't think for a minute I believe that. Jesus could come at any moment, just as from the very beginning, he said he is coming back. And so watch. Everybody say watch. Praise the Lord. And so it affects all that we're doing, how we live. No matter what the world does, we're to live holy. And so we were looking at living in the light of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, for example, you, nobody can do live right without the power of the Spirit. First of all, you're a sinner. You're saved by grace. The grace of God draws you into the Spirit. The Spirit uh, saves you and empowers you. And other, another thing that, and so we, I know we keep repeating this, but I want to work my way back through to see how all this applies to uh, specific areas of our Christian walk, such as marriage. So Ephesians 5.13 says, all things that are reproved, everyone say reproved, everything that is, is reproved, they are made manifest by the light. Now let's keep going. Uh, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and hath given himself for us an offering. Now see, he's going to repeat this in about 20 verses, so we're, we're, we're reviewing it. So how many are thankful that he died for your sins, he cared for you, thank God for the blood? The song says, and I know that we don't normally think of Christmas as uh, we think of Easter when we say those things, uh, perhaps. But <clears throat> Christmas is just as valid a time to think of the Lord coming in the, in the uh, innocence of child in the babe and the manger. And yet his whole purpose in coming was un for you. That's what I call un totally unselfish love. And somebody said, well, it's not possible because we're not good enough. We couldn't be good. Only God could be that good and so on. In other words, excuses for why people live like uh, they live. Instead of 
struggling with your nature, your flesh or whatever it is, and doing the right thing. But we're living in a culture. Now, don't think for one minute I'm wrong on this. I am right about it. We are in a culture that believes do whatever you want to do. That's the culture we're in. If you want to watch it, watch it. If you want to do it, do it. Nobody tells you what to do. That's the culture. That's a sinful culture. And, of course, it is a culture that is neither thankful nor right with God. Because if you were right with God, you would be thankful. You would, you would give him the praise because he's worthy. Therefore, f- be followers of God as what? Dear children. Not rebellious. I can do what I want to. Dear children. And walk in love. And when say love. And so this, this concept of love uh, flows throughout. But it isn't just lovey-dub, lovey-dub, lovey-dub. It's in the light of holiness. And so we continue. Now, verse uh, 3 and 4 of chapter 5 uh, tells us that their sin should not be named among the church. We're going to skip all this. Uh, let no man deceive you with vain words. In other words, somebody's trying to deceive you to think that uh, that that you are not going to be judged by God. There's no judgment or whatever. For, because these things cometh, the, because of these sins, the wrath of God comes on the children of the disobedient. But walk at the bottom. Oh, next, I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're moving on here. We're going very quickly, I think, through these. I'm going to wait and let them see if the next one comes up. All right, so walk as children of light. Everyone say children of light. That's the way we're supposed to walk. Someone said, well, you know, it's all up to God. No, it's not all up to God. We have to live our lives. Hey, folks, you need to be a good husband. You don't say it doesn't make any difference. That's what the devil says. Well, I tried and I tried and I tried. So here's the divorce court. No, mm -mm. no, that's not what you do. You give it everything you've got until you have sacrificed and you can sacrifice no more. That's what love does. Oh, hallelujah. So walk as children of light. And then the light then proves, everybody say proves. See it there at the very bottom? (laughs) I think we can go back. I'm almost done with it. All right, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. In other words, showing the light, demonstrating, get the light on it. Oh, there it is, there it is, there it is. In the darkness, you're not sure what you're picking up. Sister French is teaching the foundations class so I can say almost anything I want to say. And so I will quite often, well, I, I don't want to tell you this. So what has happened? But I like, she is like deathly, deathly, deathly afraid of Anything that, if you call it a bug or, and so I find things that I can, in a certain shade of the evening where she can't tell exactly what it is, and I'll just say, I wonder what kind of bug this, and then I'll open my hand like that. I'll get real close, you know, and what kind of bug do you think that is? Of course, it's just a string or something, but when I open it up, and sometimes I'll even do it with the snake. Because if we've had a snake around the place, um, I'll say, do you think this is a snake? And then I'll pull it up like this. And, of course, it's just a string. And that's because we, well, she doesn't think it's very, (laughs) I was going to say it's just fun, but I'm not sure who's having all the fun in that. But um, uh, she does similar things. Um, 
But in the, in the certain light, you can't tell what things are. You can't even, sometimes you can't even tell who the person is. If you get in the right shade and the right, just enough shadows. And that's where the devil walks is in all those shadows out there. And then I don't know if it matters. There may not even be a God. And you're in all these shadows out there and just kind of flitting from one shadow to the next. And, and uh, everything's empty. But walk in the light, proving what is acceptable under the Lord. You see, you know. So I don't even know what the Lord wants. Maybe he doesn't care if I watch that and do that and go there and so forth. Well, you can find out by walking in the light and and following what the scripture says and loving God and praising God. How many are thankful that God hasn't left us alone out here like a bunch of kids running around with no hope? Because he goes on to say, and now we're to the next slide, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So he's going to link all of this up to several other issues. So you, you reprove them or expose them that's of course what it means to reprove to expose them with the light so there it is oh that's that's a string or that's whatever that is over there you can see it and so have no fellowship but rather reprove them don't get involved in darkness but shine the light in darkness for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret i don't think sodom and gomorrah has anything to blush over for this generation We are living in the last generation. Now, let's go to chapter uh, 5, verse 13. But all things that are reproved, this is the one we started with, are made manifest by the light. So if you add in the translations that I'm giving you, all things that are exposed are made visible by the light. For whatever doth make manifest is light. And so so it is. That that is basically, now that is, believe it or not, I'm going to come down here so I can see it. I was hoping it would work and that I wouldn't forget to mention it. But I found this photo, of course, a man in a field. It's actually a very beautiful uh, landscape. And he's in it, but you can't see it. It's too, it's too light up there. If the, it, <laughs> uh, but if, if we could see it a little better, you'd be able to tell just faintly that that man is standing in a very beautiful... I can tell from mine, not wonderfully, but I can tell that just behind him are some very beautiful trees. And of course, it's nighttime. But he's standing in this field with one light in his five fingers. He's holding it there. He's actually, I don't know if you can tell, but he's actually holding a lantern like this. I sought for that picture because it illustrates that whatever doth make manifest is light. When, When you begin to see things and understand, that's the light. If you can't see anything, that's the darkness. That's the whole point he's making. Verse 14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee what? Light. All right, let's go to verse uh, 15. And this is where we started. Now we're kind of picking up and we're going to work our way into chapter six. And then we only have one more lesson. All right, so see then that ye walk how? See it right here. Hold hold, hold, hold. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to, I don't want to lose track of my time. All right circumspectly now we're reading from the authorized king james so sometimes the words are a little tricky and so at the bottom i said circumspectly circumspectly means carefully that's what the word means it's just as simple as that or all right in other words the lexicon if you if you taught greek let's say or let's say you taught english you would tell people find the words in a dictionary But if you were teaching French, you wouldn't say that. 
You wouldn't say find it in a dictionary because that's not the word. The word for a foreign language is a lectionary. All right? Now, why we do it? It's because we love to do it. All right? It is a dictionary, but we don't call it a dictionary when it's a foreign language. And so the Greek is what this, uh, the New Testament's written in. And the lectionary or the lexicon, and that's where I've gotten this. I didn't have to because I teach Greek. But the point is that the, the lectionary dictionary definition of this word is to use care as to accuracy. And that's why the snake is in this picture. We've already been through all this. But I'm, I don't want you to just look at that and think I just put snakes on pictures. I mean, snakes in pictures here just, just to look at it. But there are consequences when you do not walk carefully. And we were looking at uh, the fellow that fell in the rock and the, this, not that snake, but one just exactly like it was facing him square in the face. The consequences was that there were dangers and he slipped off the rock and so forth. So you have to be very, very careful. Now, I don't mountain climb, so I'm only telling you this from his story and other stories that, uh, but I wouldn't have to be on a mountain to be talking about it. You have to be careful. For example, you have your child and you're walking along the street and cars are going by. You have to be very, very careful. A child may not understand, but you understand. And a mother is constantly looking after her children. In other words, she's being wise. So see then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, because a fool, only a fool would walk through this world and believe that you're nothing more than a dog. You're going to die. You go into the dust, and that's the end of it all. Only a fool would believe such a thing. We know better. We know better. There is not a creature in all of the universe. I don't care what they say on Star Wars. There is no planet anywhere that we know of where people are talking and running around with the head of a frog in the body of some chimpanzee or something. That, that's not real. It doesn't happen. Why? Because God made this world. He made us in his image, and we have the ability to speak. No other creature can do it. Oh, that evolved, that evolved, that evolved. Oh, Lord. And when I'm talking to these guys, I'm like, well, you guys, you got an answer for everything. That is so wonderful. It must be great to just be wrong and then keep coming up with another answer and then wrong and another answer. Only a fool would think that you can just live any way and that your eternity. Now, most people want to think there is no eternity. That way, this, what they're doing right now makes no difference. See, I understand that. I don't mean that's stupid. That's understandable. People want to believe there's no future. There's no eternity or there's no God or there's no consequences. But, of course, there are. Now, the consequences that, I'm, that Paul speaks of here are far more than just eternity and whether you're going to get to heaven. The consequences here, for example, uh, how about being a good dad or a good neighbor or kind? What about those things? Are there consequences if you're not? Yes, there are consequences. Our world right now is seeing a culture that is collapsing. That's what's happening to the American culture. It's collapsing. But, of course, God is our strength and our hope, and we have faith, and we're going to preach until he comes, and we're going to love him, and we're going to preach righteousness no matter what. And the church is growing, and, and like never before, I never knew, I've never seen a day like today when people are getting the Holy Ghost like they're getting the Holy Ghost. So, some people are just absolutely nervous of what's going on around them. And it's a great time to be telling them, don't be afraid, Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. 
Someone asked me one time, why did Jesus say, don't let your heart be troubled? I, nobody asked me that anymore. Years ago, people would say, why did Jesus say, don't let your heart be troubled? And I'd say, well, uh, mm -hmm, you know, and just whatever. But they don't ask me that anymore because their hearts are troubled. We're living in a culture like that. And it's, it's, it behooves us to be wise and live for God. Now, let's keep going. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Now, notice that clock is uh, someone. And, of course, we've already talked about all this. But uh, to redeem the time means that Satan stole all this time from me. And I had no opportunity to work for God. And so it was like it was just passing so quickly. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive a brand new life. The life you used to live is now gone. You're a new creature in Christ, and you're able to accomplish what you were never able to accomplish before. Can we just clap our hands and thank God that we can redeem the time? We can buy it back. We can go back to what, we, what God wants us to do. Praise God. In fact, once uh, there are people whose whole lives were wasted. I've seen people who were so strung out on drugs, they couldn't even, they had no life whatsoever. It was just from one to, you know, can I, you got a buck, pastor, you got a buck, you got anything I can do to get another fix? That's all they lived for. Couldn't keep a job, couldn't keep a wife, couldn't do anything. And then one day, they found God. They were delivered from sin. They received the joy of the Holy Ghost. They were transformed and turned into the creature that God intended for them to be. I just can't resist saying it. I was raised by a dad that was an alcoholic. And married many, many times. My mom was the first, but I mean, he was married. It doesn't matter. Uh, we, we usually stop the tape, but I'm going to be real careful. Then one day, God got a hold of him. You know where he got the Holy Ghost? In the basement of his own home. That was wife number. Well, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I'm going to be very careful. He got the Holy Ghost in the basement of his home. And I said to myself, Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. I'd prayed it all my life. I was in college. That's how long ago this was. And uh, I said to myself, I'm, I can't believe I, I'm, I'm admitting it. It's going to go right on the tape. I said, I, I don't believe it can last. That's exactly what I said. I told someone, I said, I, 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 this is amazing. It's, but I'm just afraid. He must. I can't believe it. Because you can see how much faith I had. I was just filled with faith. And someone said to me, but what if God is really doing something? What if this unbelievable miracle is an unbelievable miracle? What if that's what it is? I said, well, then we'll know. We'll watch and see. It had been so many disappointments so many times that it was so foolish and so troubling. But the fact of the matter was God Filled him with the Holy Ghost, changed his life, and he was revolutionized. Now today, my, now my dad is about to celebrate in a few days his 90th birthday. And he has had the Holy Ghost now. He was already retired when he got the Holy Ghost. Been whatever, whatever, whatever. But from that day till this day, he has served God. Hallelujah. There was a transformation. He was able to redeem all of those years. All right, now let's keep going. Wherefore, be not wise. We're going now to the, the raised hands here. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I don't know if you heard that, but. So be not unwise, but understanding. Now, if you notice, uh, 
Well, you're going to notice because I'm going to point right to it with this laser beam. See right here? That's a Greek word. Suniema. Suniema. That tells me several things. Suniema. So this word is a special word for understanding. There's very common words for understanding, but this is a unique word. It's my whole point. That's why I gave you the Greek word. And I thought it might be fun too. No, no, that's the only reason I gave it to you was because it is so unique. And it means it's specifically to gain an increasing understanding. It's something that is coming. Suddenly it's, 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 it reminds me of the notion of revelation where all of a sudden you, you, uh, you begin to understand. And I feel revelation here today in the house of God. You can't be exposed to the word of God very long until suddenly revelation begins to come. And so you want to know what the will of God is. It comes by special understanding. You seek the Lord. You don't get the will of God in a bar room. You don't get the will of God in a bar room or some other place of the world. You find the will of God by design of the spirit of God. Not because God's out there saying, oh, I'm going to keep you from finding my will. But because the only way to find it is to draw closer to God. Anybody need something from God today? Why don't we lift our hands? Come on, why don't we just thank him a little bit? Father, thank you for the Holy Ghost. This world is in trouble. We need to quit worrying about it. We need to live right and do right and serve God. Praise God. Help us to be wise and, and know what your will is in our lives. Okay, so we keep going. I'm, I'm trying to keep going here. So be filled with the Spirit. I've jumped into verse 18. I'm at point B. So you can see here that we're at the end and then we're coming back. So be filled with the spirit versus and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess or where it, which is debauchery. In other words, you can have uh, it's not saying you can have a little bit of wine, but it means you take sin to the full. And when you see what sin ends up being, drinking is a sin. But when you take it to its full you end up with a debauchery, someone that can't even tell you who they are and can't raise their own kids because they're, they're drunken all the time. But what does the Spirit do? No matter what happens, when you are filled with the Spirit, you are given the power of God in a magnificent display of the Holy Ghost in your life. Someone said, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just bored with religion. Well, if I was living, <laughs> hallelujah. Okay, um... If you're bored with God, uh, it's got to be the wrong God. Something wrong there. If you can just jump up and down with basketball, but God bores you, that's the wrong God. That's the wrong God. I don't know what happened, but my God can heal anything. He can raise the dead. The God I'm serving is able to help me in every situation, just like your God. So it is. So be filled with the Spirit. Take the Spirit to the full in your life. Praise God. And the reason is, if you're going to rise above the darkness of the world and have the light that you need, you know, it's okay to run around with a little bitty light. Can you see that little red there? I'm going to try not to shine it in. I don't want to zap anybody for life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I could run around with just that. I'm, a, I'm an early bird, and sometimes I'm a real early bird before the birds. And so I have uh, gotten used to, over the, since I've lived in Georgia, uh, especially this time of year when the 
it's darker longer and so on, of taking my, uh, my phone, which I'm now using as a, as my clock, and I'm going to check it, oops. This is why I don't like using my phone for a clock. But we're gonna fix that soon. Um, and so what I'll do is I have a little button there and I can turn it off, or if, and it's pitch black. So if I think I'm about to run into the highway or something, and I'm walking around, maybe here at the church, or usually at the house for sure, and I will do that. Did it come on? All right, and then I can get it off. And I don't want to wake anyone. I don't want to bother anyone. I'm just as quiet as I can be. Okay, that, what is that? Is that a monster? No. Okay, and then I can, I can see my way. Now, I can get by like that. And sometimes in another, I'm in another whole part of the house, and I'm making coffee, and it's real early, real, real early. And I'm doing this. And then I say to myself, why am I making coffee to the light of my phone? When I'm on the other side of the house, it's not going to wake anyone. I can just turn the switch and it comes on. So it makes no sense to be in a dark world that needs answers and you have no answers. Someone said, well, that's not my style. I'm not emotional or whatever their, their reasons are. And I understand. People think it through and they say, no, that's not for me. I, I, man, I've got to do those things. I'm never giving that up and so forth. But sometimes people don't know what they're missing because they're just using this. Now, we got lights all here, but you can, I think you can see that the light comes on. And that's all they have is that little bit of light. And that's all they're, that's all they're wanting. So they couldn't seem to me like how could they possibly know if they're just barely uh, hanging on. Now, let's apply it because now we're going to keep going here to our next slide. And that is the influence of the Spirit's light on marriage. Let's look at that. All right. But I need to check. Hold on. Um, okay. I've got time. I, I was going to make sure I arrived at this point. So we're at the end or pretty close to the end or the final third, the last third of this chapter. Chapter six is going to talk about. Uh, how to overcome the devil and things like that. But this portion is talking about applying the spirit's light and power, which are really one and the same, of course, to marriage. So we're going to look at several scriptures and I want us to think about them. Husbands and wives, verse 22. Notice that I'm giving you a, a, two scriptures and they're separated by 11 verses. All right. So it's... Uh, <laughs> Okay, so here's verse 22. It's, it's too dark. Okay, it's hard to see it. All right. Uh, um, so that's 22 and that's 33. So you can see that they're separated. That, the, that ellipses right there means that there's a bunch of verses in between. But let's read it like it is because what this does is it addresses the spiritual value of the, uh, I mean, the, it, uh, it, it looks at how the spirit impacts marriage. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And that's the beginning of the whole discussion. Now, most people are immediately worried about the word submit. And there's no such thing as proper relationship between people. The word submit is strong in the English. 
But the idea, of course, is not, okay, I, I'm your slave or something like that. In fact, he, he, he's going to address slavery head on in just a minute and tell you nobody has the right to take your freedom. Nobody has a right to take your freedom. So it has nothing to do with that. But the idea that you are able to live in harmony. For example, we walked in here and we submitted to uh, the atmosphere or the climate. Let's call it the climate or the, or the temperature and so on. We said, okay, we're going to adjust to what's happening here. Or my glasses, for example, the doctor made me. I said, I don't want them. And uh, she said, no, your eyes. I had a little something with my eyes. And she said, I never wore glasses. And she said, you're glad you're this or that. Basically, you're going to die in three minutes. But anyway, you, you've got this with your eyes. And, and I'm going to give you these glasses. And when you step into the sunlight, they're going to turn like sunglasses, just like that. I said, I, I don't want that. I don't wear sunglasses. Well, you, but you're, you don't understand, Reverend, your eyes, you have this problem, and I must shade your, until you do this and this and jump over so many things, then at some point maybe you'll be okay. But right now, sunlight is, is affecting you physically. You must stop it. When you step into the sunlight, you must automatically. So now, now when I first got these a couple years ago, uh, I was, because I bragged from China to New York City that I could see an ant crawling on a log waving at a friend a mile away. I mean, that just, my eyes were like, I mean, I could see, and I, it was just amazing. And I never really could. I never saw an ant do anything. But, but, but it was just the idea that I, I was so thankful for good eyesight. And then I got up in closer to 60s and now over 60, and my eyes began to be affected. And, uh, I, and I, was, I preached for a year and hardly could see anyone. I was just hoping they were coming to the altar. And I would, some people would say, why are you waving your hands? Because I can't see anybody. That's why. And uh, trying to get folks, come on to Jesus. Of course, the place was back and they were coming, but I couldn't see them. And then the doctor said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fix them. You're going to do this. You're going to wear these. And then the first Sunday I wore these glasses in this, right here in this pulpit. That's about two years ago. I could not, I could barely walk. I told them, I said, I can't see. They said, no, you have to adapt to them. I said, I'll never adapt to them. I, I can't see, and, and they're by this and triple that, and they do this and that. And I said, all I see is waves. I feel like I'm taking a cruise. And I said, and, and, and I can barely, I, and I said, and I can't see. I thought they were supposed to help me see. They said, your eyes will adapt to them. And then there's like a, something here, and then it, when I do this, I can read down here. And, and I said, I can't read or see. I couldn't read for several, uh, a long time, for a lot longer than I eventually could see, but I couldn't read. And they said, no, you, the reading will come. Just keep working on it. Move your head like this. And, and I said, I, I, I feel like I'm, all I am is a pair of glasses. Now I don't even realize I have them on. I'm only mentioning it because they adapt to the light, and I've adapted to them to the point that it's as though they're not there. It's as though I have perfect vision because I'm wearing the glasses. What has happened? I have adapted to them and they have adapted to me and we have been able to uh, come to a place of agreement. That's what submission is. There is no such thing as living harmoniously if you don't understand who God is and what he asks of your life. To say, well, I can beat my wife, I can slap her around, I can do what I want. Well, that's the biggest fool I ever met. 
Well, no, I've met a few, a few bigger, but I'm just saying. No, no, there's, there's mutual submission. But for the woman, the question of joining herself to an individual, the man of her dreams, and finding a way to make it work for eternity, and the answer is reverence. That she reverence her husband. Now, you notice that beneath it there, I put the word respect him because that's the way I'm going to refer to it. It is the word reverence. I mean respect. Now, I don't mean it's only respect, but I'm going to use the word respect to speak about it. A woman who cannot learn what respect is cannot have a happy marriage. No, they may be married. Now, we got divorce all-time highs all over the place. But until and when and a woman learns and understands respect. Now, many times I've known couples that really struggled for many reasons. Uh, for example, uh, oh, uh, we might have to stop the tape if I say that. Um, so I was from a family where they married multiple times. I have to think to add it up and I have to use two hands to figure out how many times were they married did, and which was she six was that seven? one time I said was that your sixth or seventh trying to keep up with them. So I had no example. None. I'm talking back when I was young I married when I was 22. So I made up my mind. I had no example of how to do it, how to marry, how to love, how to treat someone. So I thought, well, you know, okay, I'll do this and I'll do that. And I was a preacher and I loved God. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, uh, you know, I got to figure out how to do this. And I, I, I'm selfish and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other thing. And uh, how do I bring myself into the kind of relationship that needed to be? If you surrender yourself to the spirit of God, the same spirit that allows you to see truth on every side and know him is the same God that brings harmony to your relationships. I've known men that could not raise their children properly, but the minute they yielded themselves properly to the spirit of God, suddenly everything began to change. For example, in my own family that I just described. Now, I was describing something many years ago. Now, today, they've all been filled with the Holy Ghost serving God. You wouldn't know it, and I don't like it on tape. I'm not trying to promote it. But I'm telling you, the day came when God changed them. It was like meeting a brand new person. How many are thankful that God can change the life? I'm almost out of time, and I wanted, oh, my goodness. Okay, so and the, here, here we go, verse 33. Let every one of you men, I'm going to add that in there because I've, I've taken it out. Let every one of you men, in particular, so love his wife. This is the Bible. This is not a marriage manual. This is not a recommendation. Let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself. I've got about a minute, so, so we're going to interpret that to mean cherish her. So she must learn to respect. That becomes the balance of the spirit in her life. She properly respects. 
he properly cherishes. Now, the man needed more help. Are we okay with that? Anybody mad at me? Okay, I want to prove it to you. I have to go to another slide. Go to the next one. This is all for the man. <laughs> okay, so the, the woman, we got that over one verse. Now the man's going to take two whole slides. All right, let me go over there. I got to get over to it. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So ought men to love their wives. And notice we keep saying it over and over. How? Well, as their own bodies. That's problem solved. The minute love becomes that sacrificial, everything begins to work out. If you're out of focus, then you won't love properly if you're not in tune with the spirit. Now, you can learn to be a decent person. I don't mean only apostolics can be married. But if you are following this principle, what, what, whoever and wherever you are, then it's going to make for a proper marriage. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but what? Nourisheth, see it? Oh, yeah. And cherisheth it. So if you cherish her, could we stand? I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time. And uh, I'm going to move out of the way. But uh, we'll come back. We'll get to chapter 6. And so it is. Let's see what, we're, what we just missed. All right. So let's ask the Lord. Let's lift our hearts and thank God for his word today.